please stand if you are able for a reading from God's holy word. Today's scripture reading is from Exodus 20, 12. Please read the verse with me. Honor your father and your mother that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Good morning. All right, my microphone is all over the place. All right, can you hear me? All right, good morning. My name is Daniel, one of the pastors here. Uh, thankful to be worshiping with you one more day, uh, one more time in the parking lot, parking lot of our uh, of our tent. And so it's exciting. This is another kind of phase of, uh, it seems like it's, it's been that way since uh, the pandemic. Uh, always making changes, but it's exciting that uh, we have places to worship, that we have a place to come and find shelter and to worship together as the body of Christ. Um, honor your father and your mother. This message is for all the teenagers under the tent. <laughs> if this is you, I'm speaking to you. I know we just dismissed the children to grace kids' time, but we may need to call them back as well. <laughs> they need to hear this. And especially for my kids, <laughs> Joshua, Caleb, and Abby, listen carefully. They're in the camera. Honor your parents, especially dad. <laughs> the end. Over the past four weeks, we've been in a series in the Ten Commandments that we're calling Ten Words to Live By. The Decalogue, the Latin word that literally means ten words. You shall have no other gods before you. You shall not make any idols. Don't misuse the name of God. Remember the Sabbath and keep it holy. And then there's this one, honor your parents, honor your father and your mother. The words are pretty clear and pretty straightforward. But, however, it almost seems like a step down from the first four. The first four seem grandiose in nature. Honoring and worship of God, not misusing the name of God. And to remember the Sabbath, that both work and rest are a gift from God. And these are to remind us of our own finiteness and frailty. And remind us of the greatness and the goodness and his wonderful care of us. And it seems strange in the fifth commandment. God adds these words. Honor your father and your mother. A week and a half ago, I traveled down to Southern California where I grew up for a memorial service for my best friend's dad. He had been battling uh, lung cancer over the past eight and a half years, but eventually passed from other causes. He had outlived his cancer by three and a half years. He was a wonderful man, a loving husband and father and grandfather to 
grandchildren. I found out that he was one of the original seven deacons who planted a Korean church in Orange County that I attended as a kid in the 80s. There were a few eulogies given by different family members, but most notably was my friend James, who I had known since the ninth grade, his son, and the two of his children. They spoke glowingly about dad, their grandpa, and of the kind of life that Robert Kim had lived for 79 years of his life. But what impressed me more than the way that Robert Kim had lived, the way that his life was lived, was the way my friend James loved his dad and cared for him and honored him while he was still living. He did not mention as much during a eulogy, but there was the weekly dinners where he would drop off food for his parents and eat with them, especially during the pandemic. There were the grocery runs. And between he and his brother caring for dad by tending to him overnight at their parents' home since, the, since uh, January of, uh, of this year, and there were all sorts of ways they cared for him and honored him that was never mentioned in the eulogy, but had mentioned to me in conversations many a times about his dad. And as we come to a passage like this one, a verse about honoring your father and your mother seems more like a sermon for adult children. And perhaps more so for me than it is for my own kids. And so Joshua and Caleb and Abby, you're off the hook. <laughs> for now. Kind of. <laughs> Jen Wilkin has a book, and her book with the same title as our sermon series says, Though parents may quote it to small children, the primary audience of the fifth commandment is adult children. It is, it is found in the middle of a list of commands clearly addressed to adult, adults targeting issues that are, developmentally speaking, primarily the concern of adulthood. She says, small children, though certainly sinners, do not generally carve graven images, plot murderous acts, or bear credible witness against the neighbor. So church, the majority of us sitting in this room, this message is for us. Honor your father and your mother that your days may be long in the land that your Lord God is giving you. The words are very simple. Honor your father and your mother. This is the only commandment that begins with the word honor. And this seems to be the key word in this commandment. The Hebrew word for honor means uh, to be heavy. The basic sense of the word is to treat someone res with respect because they carry a heavy weight of authority. To honor means to treat with dignity and respect and deference. You are to honor your parents because of the heaviness of their position. You are to treat them with respect because of the position they carry as parents over us. In Korean culture, people are not so much known by their names as by their position. 
Every person holds some title. Even kids. Kids are the firstborn or the second one or the last child. There's a word for that in the Korean. One time my uncle came to Sacramento from Korea and I had lunch with him in Sacramento several years ago and he asked me a strange question. He said to me, do you know my name? And embarrassingly, I said, no. You are my, in Korean, my kunaboji. You're my uncle, my dad's older brother. I knew him by his title, his position in our extended family. And that word honor, to be heavy, carries a certain level of respect because of the position they carry over us. And so the commandment, honor your father and your mother. And to be honest, to give you a little bit of social commentary, we live in a culture that does not like authority. We value our independence. We love our self-autonomy. Nobody telling us what to do. We like being our own boss. Don't get me wrong, me too. We live in a culture that does not have a high regard for age or old age. We're greatly interested in eternal youth. We work hard to be eternally youthful. And most of us, maybe those of us who are about my age, don't look with great anticipation with the hairs on our head changing colors or falling out altogether. When knees stop working and our metabolism isn't what it used to be. And by the way, if I'm describing you, I'm sorry, you are beautiful. <laughs> age is not something that we have particular esteem or old age a sort of esteem for in this culture. There are other cultures where seniority and, and elders mean something. But sadly, these mean a little less in our age and culture. But this isn't just something that this day and age struggle with. It's a problem that has been around since the beginning of time. Children rebelling against their parents. The overthrow of governments. The disrespect of elders. Truly, there is nothing new under the sun. In light of this, the Ten Commandments share this very stirring word, honor your father and your mother. In society, our parents may have little or no authority, and they may be considered lightweights by the world, but your parents bear a special relationship to us, to you, and you honor them when you recognize that special relationship. So up to this point in the sermon, so far, so good. I think we're all tracking with this commandment. But, or however, or what about the exceptions? How do you honor parents when they seem anything but 
honorable. How do you obey this commandment if you are from a broken home? How do you obey this commandment if your parents abused you? Or if you are adopted? Or if you and your parents don't get along? Or if you don't know who your parents are? Or if your parents have passed? These are difficult questions that reflect some very real concerns, I think, and much personal pain. So on one level, the fifth commandment appears to apply mostly to families who have it all together. It doesn't seem like a a commandment to dysfunctional families by any means. I don't think so. (laughs) I'm not sure how true that is. I do know that under difficult circumstances, it can feel absolutely crushing. Those who have suffered physical or emotional or spiritual neglect or abuse at the hands of a parent may feel at a loss as to how its requirements can or should be met. How do we follow? How do we obey? How do we honor unhonorable parents? And it's strange that even in the midst of difficult and different situations that we all grow up in, this commandment to honor is enforced apart from the way that your parents perform. In other words, there is no exception. It doesn't say that that unless or because of or in spite of we may have had lousy parents or absent parents, or abusive parents, or unkind parents. Any of those facts will obviously affect our relationship with our parents. But, and this is a huge but, your parents' failure to be all that they should have been does not excuse, excuse us from obeying the fifth commandment. My thought is, it's the commandment is from God. And here is the hope that since this commandment is given by God himself, he will also give us a way to obey it. Since this is from God, since this is a part of the Ten Commandments, as difficult and as painful as that might be, God will give us a way no matter how difficult or painful it may be. What I want to do, very simply, is apply just uh, three questions to this particular commandment. Why? Why? And it's a, an important question because it's the same question our kids ask of us when we tell them to do something. Why? Why should I? And I love my answer because I said so. (laughs) And if I would argue the same, because God says so in his word. Why? Why should we honor them? Very simply. And these may be just reminders for us, because you may know them, but may need to put them into practice, as well as I. And the question, why should we honor them? Because I think first and foremost, when we obey our parents, when we honor our parents, when we respect or give deference 
to our parents. In essence, we are giving honor and deference to God. There's a great reason behind these serious warnings. You ought to honor your parents because your parents stand in some ways in the place of God in your life. They represent God to you. Though because your parents, uh, because though they are far from perfect, even the best parents and fail in many ways, a mom and dad represent God in our life. And when you get down to the bottom line, this commandment matters to God because the way you respond to your parents is the way you are likely to respond to God. The way we honor our parents. And it's strange, I know. But the way we respond to our parents is the way we are likely to respond to God's authority, to God's provision, to God's word, to God's promises. I think I asked the question a couple of weeks ago, two weeks ago when I, I stood here, and I asked the question, what is your view of God? Because our view of God will dictate how we live, what we think, what we say. And I might add, I might dare add how we treat others. The way we view God, our view of God, our perspective of God, might determine the way we treat those around us. To love our neighbor as ourselves, to honor our parents, our father and our mother, the way we treat governing authorities. Because all throughout Scripture, again, are those words of, of submission to authority. Whatever authority that is in our life, there are commandments uh, throughout Scripture that talk about how we are to submit to them and honor them and revere them. And I might say that the way we view God determines how we do so. Again, quoting Jen Wilkin, she says, The fifth word extends this exhortation from our heavenly parents to earthly parents. Parents are our earthly authors, and by extension, they too exercise authority over us. The home is the lab where children learn submission to authority. A Christian parent trains her child to submit to her visible and temporary authority so that her child might one day submit to God's invisible and eternal authority. So in other words, if you are hostile and angry towards your parents, you are likely to be hostile and angry towards God. In other words, if you honor your parents despite their faults, you are likely to honor God with your life. And there's some strangeness in the interplay. And again, there's some strangeness that this comes fifth, right, out of the, right after the first four, about honoring God with our thoughts, with our hands, with our lips, with our work and rest. And no wonder that the fifth commandment, God says honor. Honor your mother and your father. Honor your father and your mother. And the fifth word is this hinge point in the Decalogue, the Ten Commandments, at which the discussion of showing honor moves from God, the first four, 
to honor God and then to honor our parents, right? Honor our mother and our father in the fifth commandment. And the sixth one, mutual submission, mutual care and honor towards those right around us, our neighbor, to love our neighbor as ourselves, to honor them by not murdering them, <laughs> not speaking lies about them, not coveting what they have. The Ten Commandments deal with matters of heavenly submission, earthly submission, and then mutual submission. And in that particular order, church, can I ask you, what is your view of God? Number two, we could say that the commandment is larger than just parenting. There's a long tradition of understanding that this commandment and all the commandments have a broad application, I think. Christians have always understood that the fifth commandment is not just about parents and children, but about that relationship as a template, as a model, as an example for other relationships of authority that we have in our life. The Westminster Larger Catechism, what we hold in... Um, uh, as, a, as a guide for the Presbyterian Church in America, says, by father and mother in the fifth commandment are meant not only natural parents, but all superiors in age and gifts, and especially such as by God's ordinance over, are over us in place of authority, whether in family, church, or commonwealth. It's a vague old English. In other words, honoring our, uh, honoring our parents helps us honor our elders or spiritual fathers or spiritual mothers or uncles and aunts and grandparents. What honoring our parents does, again, this is the second point, honoring our parents helps us to better live in community. Living in community what this means for us in the larger context of spiritual community is that honoring our pa parents helps us develop a better sense of what it means to be in community, what it means to be in a growing discipleship with mentors, with leaders and teachers and pastors and elders, learning from them and learning from their mistakes and learning how to walk like they do. And as Paul said, imitate me as I imitate Christ. There's something much more and much deeper than just an honoring of parents, but there's something about living in spiritual community, a spiritual fathers and mothers, that we understand their authority over us, their care for us, their guidance over us, Living in community. Which leads me to my third point. We live in a day and age where older people in our society are viewed as expendable. Our society does not regard older folks. There is, I think, an epidemic, a problem of disrespect for parents and those in authority. And I'm not blaming anyone else except for myself. 
It is not uncommon for us to be disrespectful of those in authority or disrespectful of our own parents. As you will have noted, I have not mentioned my parents once. We ought to go out of our way to foster an attitude in our children, not only a respect for us, but for others in authority, in a culture that is obsessed with worshiping youth. The fifth command offers followers a simple means of being a light in the darkness. In other words, the church is called to be counter-cultural. In other words, the church is called to be a place where we respect and honor and give reverence to, to those who have gone before, those who have walked the same path that we are treading now, those who have already been there and, and done that, those who have been following Christ for years and years and years, and, and for us just in the beginning of our journey. The church ought to be that place where we give deference and, and reverence and awe and, and honor and obedience and submission to those who are trying and attempting to live that life of discipleship that we too are trying to live. Countercultural in the sense that where the, where the world and society says we, we care very little about those who are aging, we say in our church, that's the place of wisdom. Paul talks about it. Older men and older women, a place where we esteem them. The value of elders in our communities, those who have gray hair, I have a little. Whenever we come to this place of worship and, and come with that kind of humility, there's just so much to learn. And then he gives his promise. He says, you will enjoy long life. I love that. I'm not exactly sure what that means. I don't. I wish I had answers, but I, I do not. But God says uh, to you who obey and honor and give re respect to the parents, you will enjoy long life in the land. I think there's a lot that needs to be said about that. I just don't know what that means exactly, but whether that's physical that somehow by obedience to our parents that I have added a year or added a month to my life, I'm not sure. But God says in the Ten Commandments that you will enjoy long life in the land. But before any of us are first to cast the first stone, I will admit to you that in some ways, we've all fallen short in the way we value elders and the way we honor and obey our own parents. I am certainly guilty of that. I spent two days at my parents' home two weeks ago. That's what I did. I just tried to sit there and say, whatever you need. My father had a problem with his computer. He couldn't figure out where all the icons went. <laughs> what it means to own honor and obey.
And what the Ten Commandments does, what the Ten Commandments does, and I know I see it and feel it and know it when I read it, how, how great a sinner I really am, how, how well uh, short I fall of, of obedience to the Ten Commandments, how frail and how weak and how many times I have failed over and over and over again in the keeping of the Ten Commandments. And the Ten Commandments does that for us. When we read it, it's like a mirror that we don't want to see. All the flaws and inadequacies. But in the Ten Commandments, there is great promise and there is great hope and there is great reward. And what God does is, as He lays out the Ten Commandments in the Old Testament, He tells us that though you may have fallen short, Though you have not been able to keep it perfectly, there is one son who has kept the law completely and perfectly. Jesus obeyed the Father perfectly. In Romans chapter 5, verse 19, Paul writes, For as one man's disobedience Many were made sinners. So also by one man's obedience. Many. You and I will be made righteous. Yes. 